isn't clean-shaven Magoo. Yeah, I shaved. Hello, Michael. Hi. Michael, hi, how are you? Oh, I'm fine. We have two adorable older homosexuals who live on our street. Great. Should everyone be so blessed? They're very nice. Like, one of them is running for the library board, you know. They're nice folks. Yeah. I was driving. I was like going slow. I was going to say hi to them. Just say, hey, what's Mm -hmm. up? That's what you do in our neighborhood. Right. And their dog darted in front of the car. Oh, no. I braked in time, though. Okay. They have a difficult dog. I have a difficult dog. We're kind of like on the same page about it. Difficult dog pals. No one was mad at anyone. Everyone was like, it's all the dog's fault. We still love the dog. The dog is dumb. Right. I imagine you all just gathered around and petted the dog while sort of squealing like, oh, I'm so sorry. No, I'm so sorry. Uh, I mean, that would have been fun. I don't know if the dog would have been into that. I don't know if I would have wanted to do it because the dog is like a poodle with crazy eyes. That's just the oh, only way okay. to put it. It's the only right. way to put it. We've all met one. But uh, yeah, they're nice neighbors and they have a nice dog. You know, I'm sure the dog is nice, at least. You know. Right. <laughs> On the inside. Uh, other than that, Secretly. I spent some time with Sam. We went to a restaurant that's a castle-themed restaurant, aesthetically. Like the building is right. castle-themed. It is otherwise not castle-themed at all. It's just a restaurant. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's just like the gimmick to get you through the door. In Providence? Outside Worcester. Oh, okay. I was like, I think I would know if there was a castle-themed restaurant here, Michael. I know, I know. No, it's it's a Massachusetts castle-themed restaurant. It used to be like a fancy French restaurant. Mm-hmm. So I guess that somehow makes sense for it to be a castle. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> if anyone was going to be in a faux castle. I went there when it was a French restaurant with Sam many, many years ago, and we were the only people in there. And it was the most liminal space I've ever been in. <laughs> People say liminal when they just mean weird. And I feel like that's what you're doing. Yeah, it was fucking here. weird. Okay. It was fucking weird. We're the only ones there. They had like a fucking sommelier or some shit. With like I'm a... tired of these fake liminal bitches. I know. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Fake liminal girls. It was weird. There was a very enthusiastic woman with a dessert cart going around. It was very strange. It was like, mm. did we just walk into like a ghost motel? I love a dessert cart. I know. I mean, there's nothing wrong with a dessert cart. But now it's like, you know, a tapas place. I see. Was it good? I mean, it was fine, you know? God, I'm hungry right now, I'm realizing. I'm kind of hungry, too. Maybe that's where my brain is going. Fuck. But I'm otherwise fine. I'm otherwise fine. How are you? How am I? I'm well. My boyfriend and I have been collaborating on some potential solutions to make sure I actually get a full night's sleep. So that's been nice. I slept really well last night. Yeah, although my dog, dear beloved Ace, dog of the show, chewed up my fancy sleep mask. The second of two fancy sleep masks he chewed up because I forgot to put it in the drawer to protect it from him. Uh, so that was a little demoralizing on the sleep front. Um, a couple of nights ago, I went to a friend of the pod, Benya Koatz, hosted a drag show in her drag persona, her drag whatever. I don't know what the right word for it is. Anti-Semitism. Anti-Semitism. Oh. Yeah. And she hosted this queer Jewish comedy show called milk and meat and it was so fucking funny (laughs) was this online yeah it was online the recording is out there you can watch it you would love it because the jokes were like there were a lot of holocaust jokes that's all i'll say and they were good and they were fucking funny (laughs) oh i cackled 
I probably have the recording. <laughs> anyway, yeah, so that was like a real highlight of my week. You know, I've been playing a lot of a lot of MMOs, which is such a like weird gaming genre. When I was a kid, I was like really obsessed with the idea of the MMO because I led like such a media sheltered life that the idea of like connecting with weird people <laughs> in a virtual environment was like really appealing to me, you know, because I felt like I mean, this is me analyzing it after the fact. I was just really obsessed with it, like without any metacognition about it as a kid. Mm -hmm. But as an adult, I feel like I had so little exposure to people outside of my own tiny little culture that it was really appealing to think that I could just like both be having a video game experience where I could be a cat girl and be ex like talking to people in the wide, wide world. Yeah, so I didn't get to express that obsession as a kid because I was strictly forbidden from such things. So, of course, it's come out sideways as an adult. And MMOs are just like such a weird exception within the video game world because while they are sort of like video games in the traditional sense, like you have plots and goals and mechanics and different things like every other video game, they also are sort of just like platforms that people use to do their socializing. So they're like half social media and half video game. And that actually kind of works for me. That's actually kind of like better than Twitter, you know? Well, yeah, because like in Twitter, Twitter is the same thing. It's just that the game is implied. Right. At least in this one, it's like game you, is I can prove that I'm the best and the coolest. Yeah, it's like this is about <laughs> like getting treasure and gear. You yeah. Know, but in Twitter, it's like never, you never really. Right. The treasure is secret. We never speak of the treasure, never, yeah. which is social capital. Yeah. So, in some ways, maybe all of media and news consumption should happen through World of Warcraft. Right. I'm ready. Not for World of Warcraft. I'm a Final Fantasy 14 slash Guild Wars 2 gal, but. Okay. Um, they're both just gayer than World of Warcraft. World of Warcraft is very not gay. I've seen it played live in front of my eyes in front uh, of your very eyes wow and i was not impressed with the level of sexuality in the game i think the other thing that makes mmo super weird is like they're also separate from the rest of the gaming world like normal gaming journalism and websites don't really cover mmos because i think one of the reasons is it's like time prohibitive to do so like to review a regular game, you can play it for like 10 hours. But MMOs, like lots of them have existed for like 10 plus years. Yeah. And then it's like, this is kind of creepy. It's like if you were like a, a journalist about religion, it's like driving out to the weird cult in Utah, you know. Right. Except them. the weird cult is beamed right into your living room in the comfort of your own home. So I've been enjoying that a lot lately. I love, you know, a big part of my lifestyle is just picking things that I wasn't allowed as a child and being like, well, I'm going to gorge myself on this now. That's great. That's great. Yeah. I mean, you know, what, what else is life for? I wonder what that will mature into, you know, when you're like 40, 45 and you're like, a, right. Like a seasoned veteran lady of the day, lady of the day, <laughs> <laughs> uh, lady of the gay. Uh, yeah, sure. Then you will, I don't know. I wonder if you'll be over the gorging. Are you going to continue to gorge? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I it definitely comes and goes in waves. But yeah, I mean, a big part of my 
the amount of time I spend playing video games is just like there's like a tiny Java inside of me that never was allowed to do what she wanted. <laughs> so every hour I spend playing video games, I'm like, yes, <laughs> that little gremlin within me is cackling. Mm, yeah, I don't think I'm 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 too afraid to unleash whatever that the equivalent is inside <laughs> of me. You know? Yeah. I just prefer the repression is a very safe space for me. That's the problem with repression, in fact. It's too safe. Yeah. Are you against my safe space? <laughs> Are you telling me? Are you telling me my that I can't space? have my repression? Cancelled live on air. Yeah, um, I want no. I think it's great that you're exploring uh, your inner child. I think we all should you. explore our inner child. So Talmud time. Yes, Talmud time. For those of you who don't know right now, most of our episodes are what I would call mini-sodes because we're working behind the scenes on a big, beautiful, investigative series about Temple OS. So for today's mini-sode, I brought a listener question. A bunch of you have written in with questions recently, which has been wonderful. If you're listening to this and you have a question, send it to us because we love them. And here's a question. Hi. I don't know if you'll still be doing listener questions going forward, but I did Hagba at my synagogue tonight, and it gave me good gender feels. Why have I never seen a woman do Hagba? Love the show and looking forward to learning about Temple OS in three months. First of all, thank you. Thank you very much. We will be doing listener questions going forward as this proves. And now let's explore. Michael, do you know what Hagba is? No, but based on what we've talked about this week, I could probably tell you what it is from context clues. Okay, well, give me your guess. <laughs> is it, it it's holding up the Torah? Like yeah, exactly. When you take it out of the ark, and they, at least in my reform temple, I remember there was some singing, and it was all in a major key. Yeah. They raise it, and then they lower it. So, Hagba is just like you said, it literally means like lifting and it's a time when someone in the congregation proximate to the torah service and some congregations it happens before the torah reading and some congregations afterwards they open up the torah and they hold it above their heads for everyone to see sometimes this is uh considered the same thing as gilila rolling uh sometimes these terms are used interchangeably but yeah that's the essence of what hagba is and its precedent comes from this verse, Nehemiah 8, 5 through 6. Ezra opened up the scroll in the sight of all the people, for he was above all the people. As he opened it, all the people stood up. Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God, and all the people answered, Amen, Amen, with hands upraised. They bowed their heads and prostrated themselves before the Lord with their faces to the ground. So basically, Ezra did this thing this one time, and now we all do it this time. It's a time for us all to look up there and be like, that's a Torah. There she is. Now, question, question. Is this holding up? Does this happen when the Torah is still in its nightgown or is this after the... No, no. It's out of the nightgown because it's open. Is it still wearing the garter, though? No. Okay. Because then it would be... Right, right, right. Okay. It's open. Together. It's, open. it's like open like a page of it is open or okay. whatever. I don't think you call it a page when it's a scroll like that, but... Wait, and this happens every week? This is an every week kind of thing? Uh, in a Torah reading service, yeah. Okay, wow. Wow, 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 wow. I know yeah. there's something similar that happens at Simchat Torah, where they, I hear, is this a thing where they unroll the whole thing around the synagogue? Well, so yes, that is a thing that people do. I don't know the origins of that custom. 
again, as we famously say, that could be an episode in itself. I recently saw someone who is a Sofail, a scribe, saying, like, you really shouldn't do that. It's, like, really bad for your Taurus scroll. I would have said that, too. <laughs> like, that's bad. You're just going to have a toddler run right through Deuteronomy out the exit door. It's not good. An important context as we talk about Hagba is that Torahs are fucking heavy. <laughs> There's like the wood parts of the little rollers, the scroll itself. There's just like a lot to a Torah, a lot more than like your JPS Tanakh that's sitting on your shelf. There's like a lot more mass there. Now I'm curious if there's any rulings about what the posts need to be made out of. Could we start doing fiberglass? I bet there is stuff out there, but I don't know. I'm sure this discussion has been had. Although I have recently learned by researching Hagba that in some traditions, they actually take the rollers out and you hold the Torah. You like put your talit around your hands like a little uh, oven mitt to hold the Torah, which I think is very cute. Oh my God. The image I got was like a doctor doing some sort of very invasive exam on you. It's like, so that's like, so like, oh my God, I, I don't know about that. I don't know. Yep. This is how I can tell you've been truly Judaism pilled. Uh, I guess so. You have instinctual reactions about invasive operations on the Torah. Our listener asked why they have never seen a woman doing Hagba, and there are a couple reasons. One is that from the mainstream, non-egalitarian Orthodox view, women aren't obligated to read from the Torah, and usually the person who does Hagba is one of the people who read from the Torah in the service, so the opportunity just never arises. And this primarily comes from a sugya in Masechet Megillah that reads, The sages taught, all the people count towards the quorum of seven Torah readers, even a minor and even a woman. However, the sages said that a woman should not read the Torah for the sake of the honor of the congregation. Oh, wait, wait, what is that from? Masechet Megillah. Is that a, a Mishnah quote or a Gemara quote? This is actually a quote from Tosefta. Whoa, whoa. So Tosefta is kind of saying that it's not on its face wrong for a woman to read Torah. Right. Like there's no from Mount Sinai reason that a woman can't read Torah, but there's some rabbinical reason why women can't read Torah. Right. Basically, they're saying like it would be unseemly for a woman to read Torah. And there have been many both Orthodox and obviously non-Orthodox people who have come around later to say, like, obviously, honor of the congregation is a concept that's, like, subject to, um, like, social mores, like, yeah. congrega congregations' senses of honor change throughout time. You could say that it's a dishonor to not have women to read from the Torah now. Sure, 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 yeah. You know, there's all kinds of arguments against this, and it's really flexible. I would say the more regressive way of reading it is to say sort of like the sages are saying there is an absolute thing such as the honor of the congregation and here's one thing that's against it and that's true in all times in all places i think if they were saying that they wouldn't have hedged it yeah i think it's pretty easy to make a case that women should read from the torah i think that's like bing bang boom not that hard and also to read a little bit about our instructions for doing Hagba from Masechet Soferim, which is what we call a, a minor tractate, one that's sort of not usually what we consider part of the Talmud Bavli, but is contemporaneous with it. This is a Masechet that's specifically about 
scribal stuff. So like it didn't really make it into our version of the Bavli, but it was important enough that everyone understand how to do scribing. <laughs> that it stuck around. So in Masechet Soferim 14, we read, immediately one unwraps the Torah for three columns worth, so three columns of text worth, and lifts it and displays the writing within for all the people who are standing to his right and to his left. And then he turns it in front of him and behind him, since the commandment is that all the men and women see the written text and bow before it and say, and this is the Torah that God placed with Moses before the people of Yisrael, or God's Torah is perfect renewing of life, which are two potential Hagba call and responses. So that's what's up with Hagba. And here's the reason people often haven't seen women do Hagba. One I already said is even in congregations where women can read Torah, I would say there's probably still a like a what's the word preponderance of of men who do the Torah readings. I think it varies from congregation to congregation, but this has just been my personal experience. That's just like general garden variety sexism that permeates all communities. And so there's just less opportunities for them to be the one that does the Hagba. Also, because a Torah is heavy, there is a possibility for anyone who's lifting it to drop it during Hagba, which is a really fucking big deal. <laughs> If it happens. Yeah, that's no good. One authoritative viewpoint says that if the Torah gets dropped, everyone who was there at that Torah service has to fast for 40 days. So oh, no. there's a lot of pressure on the Hagba itself. There's like stuff you have to do like with the dropped Torah, just like all kinds of consequences that like really fuck with <laughs> the congregation and with the Torah. We went to a service once where you said to me, like, oh, yeah, see that Torah over there? Like, it was recently dropped. They had to do all this crazy shit. And the way you were talking to me about it, it was like a harlot walked into the room. I was like, <laughs> do you see her? She slept with half the people in the congregation. It's very hushed tones. You were not very flattering of that Torah. I don't know what to say about my past behavior. But the point is here that People often think that women inherently have less upper body strength than men, which I don't know statistically whether that's true or not. It probably might be. Whatever. The point is not whether or not women actually do. The point is that women ourselves and also people perceiving women think that to be true. And so there's often fear on our part and also fear on the part of other people that will drop the Torah we're more likely to drop the Torah than other people. And also because we're all, you know, we're just women, you know? We can't be expected to handle something so important. I would love it if that was the... Uh, well, I would... <laughs> no, not that. I, I mean, I would love it if it was like, we don't expect women to lift objects. That's that's no good. That's, we, that's we forbidden. Have... That's how my boyfriend's family is. If they see me bring in a grocery bag, they're like, what are you doing? You are dating the child of our family who is a man. It is... It's unacceptable that you would bring something in on your own, which I find very charming. You hold the door open for her. You lift the Torah for her. I, I like that. I like a little bit of um, chivalry with my door holding and Torah holding. Yeah. But like, what about the theory that women are just smart enough not to even put themselves in that risky position. Right. I had not included that theory on my list of theories, but like sure. only a guy would be like, I can lift the Torah. It's all going to be fine. <laughs> right. 
everything's gonna go fucking great. That's like my basic answer for why you may have never seen a woman do hagba. Historical sexism, contemporary sexism, worries about dropping it, people's projection that we might drop it, internalized sexism, like women often, myself included, feel self-conscious about getting up in front of the room and doing things because we're socialized to believe that that's not appropriate for us. So that's my answer. There is, to me, nothing in halacha that would stand in the way of a woman doing hagwa, except for that one opinion from Masech and Begillah, which, again, as we talked about, a lot of flexible ways around that one. And this is just, yet again, another point in favor of our queen slash king slash goddess, Shabbatai Tzvi, who one of the most salacious things that they did early on was to have women reading from the Torah in Torah service. Diversity win. But did Mix Svi allow the ladies to, to lift to the, lift Torah? the Torah? I just don't know. I just don't know the answer to that. I feel like the Shabbatan movement would have worked out if they'd just done that. Yeah, I mean, I feel like she was married to the Torah, so maybe she felt a little more possessive of it. I don't know. She was like, yeah. no, 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 I'll do this. I'll do this part. Okay, yeah. Hmm, hmm, hmm. Much to think about. So yeah, thank you so much for your question, dear listener. This was a pleasure to dig into. Am I right in saying, Michael, that we have a patron episode coming out this week? Yes, there will be a patron episode coming out this week. It's going to be an interview with Sam that I did for some background research on kind of technology and its role in um, mysticism and just kind of and mystification mystification and what's the deal and uh, sam brings in some great historical stuff off the cuff i totally sprung it on him great yeah typical you'll get the mostly raw sound file that will probably be included in edited snippets in the episode that we're going to do that will cover it great so if you're not a patron already, join our Patreon to get access to that, plus a ton of back episodes. And we'll hit you back next week with another tasty little morsel. Shavuotov. Shavuotov.